Well, thank you, Pastor John. It has been a privilege to get to preach, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to tonight. And uh, for those of you joining us online and on the phone live streaming, we appreciate it. Now, uh, a question for you, just as we get started, not actually about the message, but, uh, and you don't have to comment about this one if you're on Facebook or YouTube or anything, but uh, Happy New Year. Anyone already broken a New Year's resolution? Again, you don't have to admit it to us if you don't want to, and that's okay. Uh, I can honestly say that I have not failed to follow any of my resolutions. Also didn't make any New Year's resolutions, so I guess that one doesn't really count. Uh, I will admit there are definitely some areas that God has challenged me end of December, here into January, to grow and improve in. Uh, and I hope your year is off to a great start. Uh, maybe I won't call my New Year's resolutions, and hopefully the change and the challenge will last a little longer than sometimes when I make a New Year's resolution. But I hope your year is off to a great start. But uh, as Pastor John was just mentioning in prayer and before that, uh, there's a lot of challenges. And the message tonight will really relate to that, as well as any personal trials, as well as really any time that we go through in our lives. And the message is entitled, What Comes Out of Your Life When You're Out of Control? And we'll be looking in 2 Corinthians 8 in just a bit. Now, when I say when your life's out of control, I hope that you're not out of control in a criminal sense or a violently angry sense or anything like that. But uh, at the same time, I, I think we've been reminded here over the last year or so that uh, we probably all feel out of control with what's going on. And in our lives, so often, we can either spend time desperately clawing and trying to get control, or we can yield to the one who's already in control anyway. We're not in charge of 2021, but we know the one who is. Maybe you spent most of 2020 assigning blame, trying to figure out whose fault it was. Maybe you said it's the politician's fault, it's the coronavirus's fault, it's the mask's fault. And maybe you were right on some of those things, but I doubt that assigning blame really helped you much. Uh, maybe it gave you the illusion of control in an out-of-control situation, but it probably did little else besides stressing you out. We don't need control. We don't even need the appearance that we have control. We need to be utterly surrendered to God who is in control. In this passage in 2 Corinthians 8, and I've really enjoyed diving into it, preparing for this message, Paul challenges the church there at Corinth by using the example of the Macedonian church. You'll notice, I think, as we read it, how out of control the lives and the circumstances of those believers there in Macedonia were, and yet they allowed God to do through them some amazing things despite their difficulties and despite their chaos. We're going to read the first five verses of 2 Corinthians 8. Paul says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. It's amazing to see the riches of their liberality coming during a time of their deep poverty. It's amazing to see the abundance of joy coming during their great trial of affliction to help churches in need in Jerusalem, churches that were suffering persecution, going through great financial and spiritual need. 
What came out of their lives, even though they were out of control of the situation, is an amazing challenge to the Corinthian church and to all of us. These Macedonian churches, they would have been most likely from northern Greece, churches in Thessalonica, Berea, and Philippi. Scripture records how the Philippian church gave to those in need and supported Paul during his missionary journey, despite their own difficult circumstances. They were out of control of so much, and I'm sure their circumstances felt very out of control, very chaotic. But these churches were used because they clung to the one who is in control and allowed generosity to be what came out of their lives, even when they were out of control of so much. So what's coming out of your deep poverty, out of your own times of trial, out of your life, even when you're out of control? Let's pray, and we'll dig into a few uh, points with this tonight. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that no matter how out of control things seem, no matter how out of control they are, they're never out of your control. Thank you for giving us opportunities to serve and responsibilities, but thank you that it's not our job to always be in control, to ever be ultimately in control, but to rest and sur to surrender to you who are. I pray that you'll direct us. I pray that you'll lead us. I pray that you'll bless in this message. I pray that you'll use your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. First of all, I want to look at this question. What comes out of your life when you're out of control but have God's grace? And we read it a moment ago, but 2 Corinthians 8, starting in verse 1, says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. And we'll often think about God's grace as what we get at salvation, and absolutely none of us is deserving of that grace. None of us is deserving of an eternal home in heaven and salvation right now. But grace is also God enabling us to do something that's eternally valuable, to do something even in the middle of this out-of-control chaotic time that'll matter, that'll count for eternity. I've heard God's daily grace defined as God's unmerited favor or his supernatural helping power, and that's available to each of us as Christians. As one writer has described these Christians in Macedonia, he said, though they had nothing, they possessed everything that really matters. Like Paul, the Macedonian churches had learned that God's grace is sufficient to take their weakness and through them to display God's power, and we have that opportunity as well. Maybe you've lost income. Maybe you've lost hope. Maybe you've lost encouragement. Maybe you feel like you've lost your mind here in 2020, maybe even already in 2021. The secret of their success, no matter what we're going through, is still available, and that's God's grace. Uh, just hearing a moment ago about, uh, again, uh, as we've been praying for so many who have lost loved ones already here this year, as young as the year is, uh, again, going through any of that, we have God's grace to help us go through those times. One commentator said about these Christians, while their material welfare apparently deteriorated, their spiritual well-being increased commensurately. Paul attributed this to the grace of God, his unmerited favor. Boy, if circumstances get worse in 2021, may our spiritual well-being get better. If circumstances get better, may our spiritual well-being still get better. But may we not be waiting for easier circumstances to be when we'll finally make that step, make that decision for God, do something for God. We have God's grace. We can do it now. These Christians had a secret weapon that we still have as we live for God. I thought about it this way. Like crossing a glass bridge, 
Now, if you're anything like me, you don't like heights. I, I do not like heights. Um, my wife and I have climbed some different lighthouses and been on some fairly tall places. I've been in some of the most famous tall buildings in America, like the Empire State Building, and I've seen lots of beautiful sights from several feet behind the, uh, the railing. Um, I don't like getting up close there, but uh, you can Google this, look at pictures, even videos of this enormous glass-bottomed bridge in China. Thing is 1,410 feet long, 984 feet, feet high, and again, clear bottom. To make it worse, it rests on two cliffs, and apparently they were getting some interest in this from tourists, and so they, they jazzed it up just a bit farther. Apparently, as you're walking across doing this very brave thing, as I would consider it, walking you know, over 1,000 feet across it, you get toward the end, and they've made it look and sound like it's breaking. You can watch video, I've seen them, of the glass actually appearing like it cracks, couple that with a cracking sound, you will see people absolutely panic. You will see people, I mean, basically just grabbing the sides, getting as low as they can, as if that'll help with the 900-foot fall, but uh, at the same time, just absolutely panicking. Apparently, the thing is absolutely safe, so you can fly over to China and go for that. Uh, might not be what you'd want to do, I don't know. Definitely not joining you on this bridge, but I have a feeling that those who make it across and do the best at it, don't uh, you know, panic, anything like that, are those who don't focus on the glass. They don't focus on looking down at the 980-foot drop. They focus on what's ahead, the other side. They're just walking. Not that big of a deal. And if we'll focus on the fact that we have God's grace carrying us through, everything around us may look and sound and seem for all the world like it's cracking and falling apart, that the bottom is about to fall out of our lives. But we have the secret weapon of God's grace available to us every moment of every day. Let's focus there instead of on how much it may look and sound like everything is falling apart around us. That's how we keep going. That's how we keep making a difference and impacting those around us in 2021. Next, I want to look at this question. What comes out of your life when you're out of control of your circumstances? Now, that's a thread really running throughout this entire message, but 2 Corinthians 8, 2 puts it this way. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Now, I'm sure we've all gone through some difficult times. Maybe it was literal financial poverty, as was the case here. Maybe it was a time of, of grief. Maybe it was a time of just whatever trial it might be. But notice what abounds, what bubbles over, what really jumps out from them. It was their joy unto the riches of their generosity, their liberality there. These Christians were out of control of their circumstances. I'm sure they would have loved easier circumstances. Maybe you can relate to that in your life. But they were in control of their response to those difficult times. They were going through a big trial. They were going through poverty. And yet they are known for their generosity and their joy. They were known for holding tight to God, holding tight to joy that goes beyond circumstances. I read this story that really helped me illustrate this point in my own mind. I hope it will help for you as well. This is a, what the author calls the classic story of poor Jack. Jack was out jogging. As he passed a cliff, he got a little too close to the edge and suddenly found himself falling. On the way down, you might have heard the story, but he managed to grab a branch, nearly yanking it out of the cliff. When he finally caught his breath, he realized what a terrible jam he was in. He couldn't get up, and letting go seemed to be a poor option, being that high up. He began to scream, hello, anyone up there? Can anyone hear me? In a moment, a voice returned, Jack, 
Can you hear me? Yes, yes, I can hear you. I'm down here. I, I can see you, Jack. You all right? Yes, but, but who are you? Where are you? I'm the Lord, Jack. I'm everywhere. The Lord? You mean God? That's me. God, help me. I promise that if you get me down from here, I'll stop sinning. I'll be a really good person. I'll serve you for the rest of my life. Easy on the promises, Jack. First, let's get you down. Then we can discuss those. I'll do anything, Lord. Just let me know what to do, okay? Okay? The Lord said, let go of the branch. What? I, I, I said, let go of the branch? Just, just trust me. Let go. There was a long pause as Jack, Jack th thought through the offer. In a moment, however, Jack let out a loud yell. Hello? Hello? Is anyone else up there? And so often when we go through difficulty, we want to cling as tight as possible to what we think will help us instead of a letting go and letting God fulfill his perfect plan in our lives as we simply trust him. Now, made up story, but obviously God can help someone off a cliff. But how many of us would have trusted a branch or trusted some human solution more than what God might have had in mind? Philippians 4.10 says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. There's the Philippians giving to Paul, just caring about them. 2 Corinthians 8.2 mentions the abundance of their joy. This wasn't just uh, happy when the circumstances were easy. This was abundant joy bubbling out of their lives. A commentator, William McDonald, said, These Christians had been going through a great trial of affliction. Maybe you can relate in your own life. Ordinarily, people thus tested would seek to save their money to provide for their future, and especially so if they, were not very, if they weren't very prosperous, as was the case with the Macedonians. They did not have very much money at all, yet their Christian joy was so overflowing that when the need of the saints in Jerusalem was presented to them, they reversed all ordinary behavior and gave in a most liberal way. They were able to combine affliction, joy, poverty, and liberality or generosity. No matter what life brings our way, no matter what 2021 brings us, we all have plenty of reason to choose joy because of everything God has done for us and is doing for us. No matter the circumstances, we each have plenty of reason to allow God to keep working in our lives and through our lives. Next, what comes out of your life when you want to make more of an impact than you are capable of? These Christians... In Macedonia, these churches didn't have a lot of money. Humanly speaking, there was only so much they could do, and they had a desperate desire to do a lot for God. 2 Corinthians 8.3 says, For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. These were people who wanted to do something to help their fellow Christians, who wanted to do something to make an impact. And God used their willingness to take them beyond what they could have done on their own. God used the finances. God used their example here to challenge the church at Corinth. God has used this passage to challenge millions of people over the years. And if we'll be willing to be used by God, have the desire to do something, whatever God has for us to make an impact, God will use it. Maybe it won't reach millions, but it'll reach exactly who God wants it to. These Macedonian Christians wanted to do as much as they could to have an impact beyond their resources, beyond their ability. God loves to use that kind of Christian. Their sacrifice was apparently so big, so much, that they had to work hard to talk the Apostle Paul into even accepting it. It says, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift. They could give the gift 
and allow God to use it. You might not feel good enough, strong enough, whatever enough to help anyone during all of this chaos. Maybe you feel like you're just trying to make it through yourself and certainly in no position to impact others around you. A willing desire is exactly what God loves to use. Let's allow God to use us to share the hope of his salvation, the peace and joy that only he can bring, the encouragement that so many are in need of right now. A Spanish philosopher tells about the Roman aqueduct at Segovia in his native Spain. It was built in the year 109 AD. For 1,800 years, it carried cool waters from the mountains to the hot and thirsty city. Nearly 60 generations of people drank from its flow. Then came a new generation, a recent one, who said, this aqueduct is so great a marvel, it ought to be preserved for our children as a museum piece. We shall relieve it of its centuries-long labor. They did. They laid modern iron pipes. They gave the ancient brick and mortar a reverent rest. And the aqueduct began to fall apart. The sun beating on the dry mortar caused it to crumble. The bricks and stones sagged and threatened to fail. What ages of service could not destroy? Idleness quickly disintegrated. Let's not allow ourselves, no matter how busy, no matter how stretched we are, to lose sight of the fact that God wants to use us to impact people. God wants to use us as his hands and feet right here on earth. We have an opportunity to do more than we are required to, even when we're out of control of the circumstances. If we will, it'll stand out to those around us and give us an amazing opportunity to impact others with the greatest message ever. We may be out of control of the circumstances around us, but the creator of the universe will use us to impact the world around us if we'll simply be willing. And finally, let's look at this question. What will come out of our lives when we daily surrender control to the one who's ultimately in control? And it really is a daily choice. I believe Pastor John mentioned that on Sunday. 2 Corinthians 8.5 says, And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Now, I'll admit, 2 Corinthians 8 is a well-known passage on giving, financial giving, and absolutely rightly so, so much of that specifically there. But this is really so much the key verse for giving financially, giving time, giving resources, giving our lives. It's to surrender ourselves. It was easy for them to give money, easy for them to give finances to the Lord, no matter how big the trial, no matter how big the sacrifice, because they'd given everything to God first. Commentator Warren Wearsby says, if we give ourselves to God, we will have little problem giving our substance to God. If we give ourselves to God, we will also give ourselves for others. It is impossible to love God and ignore the needs of, our, of your neighbor. Jesus Christ gave himself for us. Heard this challenging quote, most people wish to serve God, but in an advisory capacity only. Let's first say, God, here it is. I've heard it put this way. Um, we could say, uh, it was actually a former pastor of mine, uh, Jim Shetler in college, that uh, said when he had college students come in to ask, hey, Pastor Shetler, can you help me find God's will? That he would use this illustration with them often. He'd hand them a blank envelope, hold it up at least, and say, I've got God's will right here. I think they knew he didn't actually have a letter containing the specific will of God for their lives. But uh, they'd say, hey, if that's actually God's will in that envelope, give it to me. I want it. But he would say, hey, there's a requirement before you can even open it. You first of all need to say yes. You need to surrender to do exactly what it is before you'll even be ready to read the envelope, open the envelope, read the letter. 
before we come to God's word, before we come to seeking God's will for our lives, before we come to seek God's plan and what he might be doing and try to understand everything that's going on, even as much as we can, we need to say, yes, God, everything, whatever you have. If you want me to go through this year, next year, anything with less money, less time, less health, less stress, that's okay. It's what you have. Your plan comes first to give ourselves fully to God. I went for a jog down the Borden Grant Trail the other day. I love being on Borden Grant Trail. Just a nice quiet road. I enjoy it. I get to focus on nothing uh, but how much my body hurts as I'm running. So I, but I do enjoy uh, running on that road. And I ran past a house the other day. Uh, and I realized I was there mid-project. So if you live here or if this is your neighbor, I don't know who lives there. But uh, no criticism. I realized I was coming in mid-project. But there were obviously a row of trees that needed to be cut down because they were getting into the power lines. And obviously that can cause fires or power outages and all of that. But the moment when I ran by, the trees were gone. I could just see the stumps. But there were a whole bunch of branches leaning on the power lines. And again, I get it. Those were about to be taken down, I'm sure. The crew that was working ran out of time, needed to come back the next day. I, I totally understand. But it reminded me of how often we look at a problem area, a sin that we struggle with in our lives. And maybe we, we cut away most of it. We make it where most of it is, is gone, most of the sin opportunities, most of the temptation. But so often we leave that line on the branch, that branch on the line, excuse me. We leave that little bit of opportunity. We'll surrender most. We'll get rid of most of the problem, most of the times where it's easiest to go our own way instead of God's. But we'll leave a little bit there. Obviously, if those house owners want to prevent any electrical issues or fires, they need to get rid of all of the tree, all of the branches, all of it, and I'm sure they already have. For us, let's do our part to surrender every area of our lives. Recently read a story from a pastor in Georgia's book that I don't agree with the first part. He says, one of my small joys in life is grocery shopping. I'll admit, I can't relate to that. Uh, I'm grateful my wife willingly does uh, and enjoys going grocery shopping and getting food for the family and, and takes most of that on. I don't personally enjoy grocery shopping. I'm grateful for it. I enjoy eating. But uh, he says, ever since our kids were old enough to sit up, they fawned over the grocery carts that looked like little cars. That, that part I can relate to. Uh, I think it's Target has some good ones. CVS has some really good ones that Brooklyn and Addison love to get to. The author says this, those carts are to grocery shopping what the iPad has become to the family road trip. How did we ever live without them? Game changer, as he says. Our kids still love sitting in the driver's seats on the cart car. They love the feeling of the steering wheel in their hands, and Brooklyn and Addison definitely do. They love the power of having control of the cart. But then there's that inevitable moment, that moment when the kids in the cart car, happily driving along, suddenly realize the steering wheel doesn't actually work. How many of us fight with all we have for the false illusion of control, sometimes of someone to blame, instead of finally surrendering, daily surrendering control of our lives to the master, the creator, the one who sees the end from the beginning, the one who's ultimately in control. So let me just ask you, what's coming out of your life when you're out of control? Are you willing to rest in God's provision, in his protection? Are you allowing God to take the crazy times and to use them to impact you and others through you? Are you focused on assigning blame and simply surviving or growing and helping others to grow? Let's pray. Father God, thank you 
that all throughout 2020, you are in control. Already, all throughout 2021, and we know for the rest of it, you'll be in control. No, no matter what happens uh, health-wise across the world with the coronavirus and all, no matter what happens politically, no matter what happens economically, you are in control. And I pray that we'll take time to remember that each day. I pray that when we get tested, when trials and difficulties squeeze us and, and it just absolutely feels out of control and probably completely is, humanly speaking, that we'll remember that you are in control and we'll allow you to work in our lives and use us to impact others in so many ways like this Macedonian, these Macedonian Christians did. They were going through so much and yet did so much to help others. They were going through such a difficult time and allowed you to use it in their lives. May we do the same. I pray that you'll help us with that. We thank you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.